Hey everyone, there's been casting news! Yay! Unfortunately, as demons are time walkers, come to find out, these demons in this episode had no idea about casting, so we won't be covering it this episode. But feel free to call in on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com, slant demons discuss, and give us your reactions. Or you can write us an email, demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. All right, guys, on with this episode. Enjoy. This is Wendy Taylor, and you're listening to Demons Discuss. Take 56, the one with the feisty females. Demons hugs and kisses. Blessed be. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela Jean and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi, everyone. And what are we talking about today, Angela? We're talking about Shadow of Night, Chapter 30. We have a little mixed bag here. We have a gift, we have an adventure, and we have some reverence. Reverence. Oh. <laughs> Boy, do we. <laughs> I'm not talking about us, of course. I'm talking about... <laughs> We're going to be utterly... Irreverent. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Just run into it. This podcast is sponsored by our Patreon patrons. Yes, we are funded by creatures who are listeners just like you. And I'm going to task Jean with telling you why becoming a patron helps both us and you. Jean, tell the people. Becoming a patron helps everyone because it gives you extra shows to get through your power walking and your workout and your daily chores. And it helps us bring you more and better content helps us with all of the things that we need to pay for to make this a great show. Oh my God. And helps us give you just more. It's a way of expanding the world and bringing stuff back to you. Along with getting more demons for more inspiration and brain power, we also have swag. Oh, <laughs> our swag has changed. We've got tote bags. We've got stickers. We've got magnets now. <laughs> we've got <laughs> goddess tier, which has all kinds of neat things attached to it. And um, above that, the fire drake tier. Yes. Oh, wow. my goodness. The new fire drake tier. That's something special. But that being said, this is your show. You get to participate in it. And you'll see that in action in a minute or two with our discusser emails and housekeeping. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So if you're interested, check it out. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. So on to discusser emails. So who wants to start with their discusser email? I will. Yay. Yay. It's from Zoe. We met her in Cardiff and she's following up with an email. She says, hi, Angela, Jean and Valerie. I just wanted to thank you all so much for the lovely handwritten card. I was so thrilled to receive a proper mail and with a seal too. Philippe would approve. It was amazing to meet you all in person in Cardiff and I thought I'd share my aha moment with you. I always assumed that I was a witch. My family name is Bishop for one thing. But on Friday morning, before the Hmm. start of the con, I sat on a park bench, drinking a latte, catching up on old Demon Discuss episodes, wearing my Fitzio shirt, the truth dawned on me. I think I'm really a demon. (laughs) Or at least a demon in training. Who knew? Keep doing what you do so well. Love it. Zoe. Oh, thank you, Zoe. thank you, Zoe. It was great meeting you. She was one of the brave ones. She came up to us so warm, so lovely. I really like meeting you, Zoe. 
Yes. So who's next? Who's next? Who's next? I have actually two emails from Shell. The first one is a question and the second one's an observation. Uh-oh. Okay, we'll start with the question first. Okay. And it's more of a technical question than anything. Dear Demons, how do you post comments on your Facebook page? I thought there were some questions to answer to gain access, but I cannot find them. Still, I am confident that this is due to user error as my techno skills are embarrassingly inadequate. Peace and joy. Shell. All right, Shell. So really quick, Facebook sucks. <laughs> it does. As far as Facebook pages, it's not really good for interaction. It doesn't even notify us when you make a comment on one of our posts or whatever. I mean, it does, but after a while, it just kind of stops. Yes. Um, I think you might have been referring to the Facebook group, yes. which you applied to get into earlier. Guys, I am so sucking. I have a backlog of people I need to let in. I'm working on it. Uh, like I said, after the con, I had this cold and uh, I'm going to get my shit together. I swear. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Shell. Jean, you had another? Oh, well, I was going to say, and also for, for those who might have similar questions to Shell and you're interested in, in our discusser group, you'll find the application on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, fill it out and then you'll get in the, the queue of people that Val has not taken care of yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, the only reason why we're slow leaking people in is because I don't want to let a whole bunch of people in. And for me, that ruins the dynamic when you let like 40 new people in, right? And all of a sudden everybody wants to get the word in. And then you have a whole bunch of people who have settled in and made that their home. We trickle in people three or four at a time. So I haven't gotten to that. And unfortunately, the line has gotten big. I will get to it. It's first come, first serve. And some of them, hey, your answers aren't aren't good enough. I'm going to have to ignore them because uh, you haven't proven to me that you listen to the podcast and you have to. Come on, you have to listen. So podcast. they're not even That's hearing cool. you right now. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was good. I ignored you anyway. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. And hopefully uh, with the months to come, we'll get caught up eventually. Maybe. All right. And I have another one from Shell and this, this is her observation. Yay, Shell. Dear Dynamic Demon Divas, just okay. a quick note to say y'all are hilarious and listening to the podcast on Sun Chapter 15. The issue of exploding golf balls came up, particularly when run over by a lawnmower, in which case they go poof. Yeah, I was, do. <laughs> I was laughing so hard that the people in the car next to me at the red light were looking curiously over as if to say, why is that strange woman in convulsions? Thank you for cheering up and otherwise dog day at work. Oh, Shell. Shell. We were actually in Oxford when we got that email and we kept looking at each other. It's like, how did this even come up in conversation? I think Angela brought up, it was like chapter 15 in Shadow of Night and... Uh, it wasn't in the show notes because it was one of those show notes that we had to truncate because there's a lot of life things going on. So, yeah, and we haven't listened to the whole episode. I'm just wondering how it came up in context. That's how much I remember how much how our conversations go. I'm telling you, it's kid chores. <laughs> it had to do with kid chores somehow or another. Yeah. Something or another. I know that we used to live by a golf course and I know the lawnmower, when it runs over golf balls, it does go poof. So I, I know that's that's something that would have came for me, uh-huh. but I don't know how it was brought up. Or maybe it was husband chores. Something like that. I don't for know. For some reason, I'm thinking about, oh, I know what it was. We were talking about mowing the lawn because Robert and the riding lawnmower he can't use, I think. Or did maybe. that come up more recently? I don't know. We hired a lawn service and he was complaining, I can't use my riding lawnmower. I'm like, oh, you use it for something else. Use it to take the trash down the hill. We have a huge hill that we live on. So, you know. So thank you, Shell. Thanks for writing in. We actually 
actually do have something for chapter 30, and this is from Chloe. So thank you, Chloe. And she begins this email. Uh, it says it begins with absence and desire. The tension from chapter 29 has not abated, and Matthew cannot trust himself. Desire and fear. Matthew doesn't trust himself and cannot give into his instincts to possess Diana completely and utterly. Though there's humor in this chapter, there is also heartbreak because of these warring needs. The hunting with the falcons outlines how Matthew feels, how he wants to be free and fly, but blood rage is a hood over his eyes, keeping him trapped and scared. This was the fight they needed to have, and now they can finally have the trust themselves. Benjamin! He's like a shark circling and drawing closer and closer, but you can't yet see the trap he's laid out. I love this chapter because they both find freedom to unite against those who would draw them apart. You're a vampire from down under, Chloe. And uh, great observations, Chloe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. So, guys, let's do the chapter discussion. This chapter discussion is brought to you by Wendy Taylor. Wendy Taylor, Hi, thank Wendy. you. Thank you, Wendy. And you heard her at the top of the show reading the bumper so thank you for that all right we're gonna start the wagon right here we left off in chapter 29 we just got out of an intense coupling session with diana and matthew with a d and the o and all the letters in between against the wall (laughs) and then we open up chapter 30 with more packages arriving at the three ravens so amazon amazon (laughs) (laughs) better invest in prime (laughs) okay so what was your thoughts as far as the first gift that we got the compendium oh Mm -hmm. that was so intriguing i didn't know what it was when i first read it i was just gonna say first read i had no idea it was one of those things that i kind of had to wrap my brain around and now i've seen nine thousand pictures of a compendium since then and so this listen that i did it was really um i I grasped what it was and how unique it is and how cool it is right yeah that was one of those things where i kind of stopped where i was reading and actually went and looked it up because i'm like hmm so what would you compare it to to a device that we have nowadays? Closest thing I can think of is maybe a smartphone or... I was thinking it's more like some of like that chronograph that Baldwin yes. was wearing on his wrist. Oh, yes. Which yeah. Would have a deluxe like the, chronography watch. Yeah, uh-huh. with the lunar calendar on it, down to 10,000 feet and compass. A pilot's watch. That's what it made me think of, that you can yes. basically navigate from your wrist. Right. Kind of and you can take notes. Like, because mm-hmm. I know a pilot's watch, there's areas where you can kind of just take a, a marker or a note of like mm-hmm. the weather or something. I don't know. Today's pilot watches anyway. I don't know what they were of old. So oh, I don't they were know. Pretty com- Some of even the ones from the 80s and 90s were pretty damn complicated. So what was the little notepad on the compendium for? For the notes. <laughs> for the notes. It's like a, it's like a dry erase board. Well, yeah, it's not a board, but it's a piece of paper, like yeah. a dry erase paper. <laughs> <laughs> Which in and of itself was pretty intriguing. Ahead of its time, too. Very much so. So Diana is trying to calm Matthew down. She's doing some preemptive calming him down. She's like, it's just a gift. My heart is yours, remember? Matthew's like, it isn't just a gift. It came with an invitation to go hunting tomorrow. And then he goes on. Galaglass informed me that we will be accepting it. He's found a way into the Emperor's apartments by seducing some poor maid into showing him Rudolph's erotic picture collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sounds that's like a win-win for him. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Idea. It's like the turnabout is fair play instead of like, hey baby, you want to come up and see my etchings? It's like, hey baby, will you take me up to see your boss's etching? <laughs> <laughs> so hot, so hot. Lord. <laughs> and I could just see the leaning against the, like the doorway, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hey, baby. 
so he goes, the palace guard will either be hunting with us or napping. Galglass figures it's as good a chance we're going to get to look for the book. So referring to another package on the table, Diana says, do you know what that is too? And Matthew nods and he reaches over and he's like, you're always receiving gifts from other men. This one is from me. Hold out your hand. So intrigued, she does what he asks. And then he pressed something round and smooth into her palm, the size of a small egg. Now, what did you think of this gift? Oh, it oh, was so funny. Goop, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> t- that was an after-show subject. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Which, by the way, I have. Uh, yeah, hold. Put a pin in that one because I saw Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Graham Norton talk about that. Okay, pin <gasps> put. Yes. <laughs> we shall return to that, people. <laughs> I love this gift. I really, yes. really, really, really do. And and thank you, Isabel, for the history lesson. Is what I always think yes. because of the, the the owner who bestowed it on Matthew is a real person. Mm-hmm. So let's go into the description. They were made of silver and gold with diamonds set on their backs. She lifted one of the creatures, and up came a chain made entirely of paired salamanders. Their heads joined at the mouth, and their tails intertwined. Still nestled in her palm was a ruby, a very, very large ruby. And she's like, "It's beautiful." And I'd be like, "Yeah, that's beautiful." Whoa, oh, yeah. My God. <laughs> I'm a fan of rubies <laughs> and diamonds. And then she asks, when did you have the time to buy this? Matthew's like, hey, I've had it for a while. And I know when I first read this, I was like, you're regifting? Really? Yeah, oh, this, oh, this old thing is what I heard in my head. My father sent it with the altarpiece. I wasn't sure you'd like it. Which is he hedging? Like, that's why I didn't give it to you sooner. Not, oh, yeah. I was waiting for if I if I messed up that I'd have to give you yeah. something. Imagine having some, I got still got that necklace. I'm good. I'm good. Right. I'm good for one more fuck up. It's like Big Brother. For once he had a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's but true. it's like a Big Brother. I didn't know if I was going to use the golden power of Vito or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. <laughs> so Diana says, of course I like it. Salamanders are alchemical, you know. I said, giving him another kiss. Besides, what woman would object to two feet of silver, gold, and diamond salamanders on a, and a ruby big enough to fill an egg cup? Not me says me yes <laughs> or me for that matter or me no mm-hmm. now we go into the history uh matthew goes these particular salamanders were a gift from the king when i returned to france in late 1541 king francis chose the salamander in flames for his emblem and his motto was i nourish and extinguish kit enjoyed the conceit so much he adapted it for his own use what nourishes me destroys me and that's what i had uh deb inscribed my shadow of night what nourishes you really uh, yeah. interesting yeah. i like that yeah. And there's so much going on in just that paragraph. Yes. Oh, well, tell man, us about it. the things that are going on, Jean. Okay, let's let's start with the source of the lovely bauble. Francis in 1541 are both very important. That's when they went back to war with Henry VIII. Mm. So basically, Sebastian's skipping out of town back to the other side, which is probably why he got the gift. Mm. Francis is also the father of Henry II, who ended up being king and was married to Catherine de' Medici, Isabeau's bosom buddy. Right. I think we're going to see a whole bunch more about that salamander necklace and all the folks connected to it. In you the think Serpent's in Serpent's Mirror? Mirror? Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. Serpent's Mirror yeah. era for sure. I think this is prime time, yep. Yeah, that's prime time. Then we go to Kit. Man, that's come up so many times, including in Deb's inspiration for Matthew's Venetian Palazzo. Yeah, 
Yeah, there is a, a mantelpiece. Yeah, yeah, the mantelpiece had that exact same inscription in it. And that's yeah. when she said, this is where he lived, oh. which I thought was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, right. it, was, it, was it Twitter or was it on Instagram, Angela? I think she had it on both. I remember that post because we had to bring it up because somebody thought it was a painting and we were like, no, it's an actual oh, picture. They thought, it was, uh, they thought it was like photoshopped or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, no, she put it on Pinterest is where she put it. Mm. Uh-huh. And we did bring it up and now it's on Twitter. So we can always pull yeah. it on the show notes to it. Yeah. Yeah. And also we posted, which is related, um, my trip to the Met Museum. There's a big wooden panel with a salamander and that saying that used to belong to King Francis also that we have a, we posted a while ago. The I nourish and extinguish or what yeah. nourishes yes. me. Okay. Which I mean, in thinking about Kit adapting that as his motto is kind of... About right. It's his relationship with Matthew in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. Really and truly. It's like, oh, Kit, even you realize you're on the road to ruin. This is just so sad. I think we all have that one thing that nourishes us and destroys us at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. For sure. It's a good reminder. It's a ca- yeah. almost a cautionary thing. I, I'm sure if I did some soul searching, I would see it in myself. But just because of the kids, I think both Breck and Harlow, their biggest attributes can sometimes be their biggest downfall as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Diana comments on this and says, Kit is definitely a, a glass half empty demon. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Diana has a little freak out. Matthew notices and says, what? And Diana says, have you given this to someone? before. (laughs) There's a regifting right there. Yeah, it's like (laughs) see, I knew it was regifted. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. And Matthew says, no. Diana says, I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. I know, especially considering Rudolph's behavior. But I'd rather not wonder, that's all. If you give me something you once gave to a former lover, just tell me. Well, I would just say it's ridiculous because if you got it as a gift, you're not giving it back. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorries. <laughs> <laughs> and so Matthew says, I wouldn't give you something that I first given to someone else, Moncourt. Your fire drake reminded me of Francis's gift. So I asked my father to fish it out out of his hidey hole. I wore it once. Since then, it's been sitting in a box. So that made me feel a little bit better. I hope it makes mm-hmm. Diana feel a little bit better. Yeah. And he, probably the only time he wore it was when Francis put it around his neck. Yeah. Right. Would be my guess. And she's like, uh, it's not exactly everyday wear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd be wearing it every day. Day. <laughs> she's trying to lighten the mood, but then she's like, she's like realizing she's a little freaked out. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And then Matthew goes, my heart belongs to you no less than yours belongs to me. Never doubt it. And then Diana's like, I won't. He's like, good, because Rudolph's doing everything he can to wear us both down. We, yeah. we need to keep our heads up. And then we need to get the hell out of Prague. And yeah. that's how I was feeling, too. I'm like, we need yeah. to go. And, I, and it's like, and he was just, I love how he was just like really blunt. It's like, we got to get the hell out of here. It was very not on Matthew like in a way. It was like, yeah. wow. He's like thinking really clearly. And it was good to know as a reader, you're not going to be lingering there. Like this yeah. is, it's been a, quite a circus so far. Yeah, it's not the, been good. Like Angela said, this fucking clown. Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> well, she didn't put it that way, but she did yeah. use the word clown. <laughs> so yeah, Rudolph has been a clown for real. All right. So the next day they find themselves surrounded by Rudolph Sinkofans, a.k.a. courtiers, you know, yeah. all the nobility. And, uh, 
And uh, Rudolph called Matthew over to his side, leaving Diana to the mercy of the women of the court. And they were openly curious and entirely at a loss about what to do with her. So Diana's just stuck, surrounded by all these women. And she's 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 handled her own. She's held her own with the women of Malastrata so far. I don't know why she was quite so. This is a whole new set of women, man. Worried. And plus, the women of Malastrana, they're not, like, nobility, right? Well, that's no. true. To me, though, I think at, at the end of the day, I'd almost be more scared of the women of Malastrana than the Oh, courtiers. the info they have? Yeah. Well. They seem to know a hell of a whole lot more of what's going on than any duke's wife. It's just, I kind of felt for her right here because I remember when we used to go, okay, back to my little stories. When we used to go to these military things for Robert and me, I was also an active duty military military member, but I wasn't there as a military member. I was there as the spouse. So I'd get stuck Mm. with all the spouses and be like, they'd they'd be like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm in the military too. They're like, oh, I guess you wouldn't want to join our little wives club. You know, it's it's just awkward. That's all. Now now that you mention it, I had like the exact same thing happen to me when we first, first couple of years we were moving here. We moved Uh here and, and doing like hospital type stuff. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Where do your kids go? And this and that. And it was like, um, we don't have kids. And I have my own law practice. Mm-hmm. And then oh. they just like walk away. And they're, you're othered. Yeah. it was, And it was so othered. Yeah. And, you know, I really don't like going to these functions because these people are so nasty to me. Right. Because they don't know what to do with you. They don't know yeah. what box oh, to well, put you in. Oh, well, some of them were just nasty to me to be nasty to me. But <laughs> don't kid yourself because... Uh, <laughs> One of the one of the female doctors had issues with Al. So, oh well. So, well, boo to her for everyone to hear. <laughs> she was the boss's protege, uh-huh. and she wasn't very good. I mean, and she was an older woman too. But it was just like she was worried she was going to get found out. Ah, uh, kind of uh, exposed, and you know, didn't get her ass kissed sufficiently by him. Wow. Are most hospital <sighs> I mean, staff, doctors, nurses, everything? Are they transplants? Because that's how it happens. You go to school, and then you have to move somewhere to get employment. Because uh, it's not like you go to school in Texas and then you get a job in Texas, is it? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Some people get picked up by their programs, but not very much. And, and the whole thing of it is, is you may get picked up by your program. I, I would say yes, most people are transplants because you're either moving someplace to do your residency or your fellowship or, you know, there's like three or four yeah. steps along the way where it's like you're going to make a move to a different location from where you're at. I've never seen anybody who like grew up in Cleveland, went to medical school in Cleveland. Straight line, yeah. Working at a hospital in Cleveland, for example. So does it depend on uh, where the specialties and demand too? Well, specialties and demand and especially in the training stages of it, it's like, okay, what specialty, what hospital offers the best residency for, you know, which specialty? It gets so almost Byzantine as far as like, I want to be an ophthalmologist. Okay, which hospitals have the best ophthalmologist to train? I mean, first it's like, okay, which, which medical schools do a good job giving you the basic ophthalmology? And then it's like, okay, which hospital do I need to get, hope to get into on my match that has the best ophthalmology program. And then on top of it, it's like you've got to have a backup specialty in case like you want to get You're something. You're stressing me out. Yeah, I know. Really <laughs> high. Like there's so few slots for ophthalmology and it's so, I hate to say it, it's, you can make, make so much without being on call. It's right. so lucrative. You need the highest grades to get in there and everyone wants to try and get in there. So you've got to have a backup plan. It's like, well, if I can't get into an ophthalmology program, what's my second choice? Right. There's so many contingencies 
contingency plans and chess moves that go into match day for medical students that it's ridiculous. All right, so, so yeah. we got to call the tow truck. Yeah, that was a clinical ditch. Yeah, yeah, it was a clinical a ditch. One. But I mean, unlike law, where a lot of people end up practicing exactly where they grew up, yeah. medicine, no. All right, so back to the story, everybody. Thank, thank you for sharing, you know, Jean. No. I, yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Yeah. No, no, I was asking because it does relate to the story because I was you go to these functions and I was wondering if you had to battle a culture, a second culture too, not only just the hospital culture, but then like a state culture if everyone was from the same state or same community for a long time. Mm-hmm. But Diana goes through the same thing because she's not yeah. of that time and then she's going to different countries and she's got to oh, yeah, yeah. fit into the so, culture. So so she's yeah. got like that times three as well. Right. Yes. And then she's got the class of women she's dealing with now versus Malastrana versus these courtier ladies and mm-hmm. she's just got to put on different faces depending on where she is. And then then the man to which to, to whom she's attached. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, yeah. she's bearing the weight of all of Matthew's baggage, too. He's the king of different faces. Yes. And yes. not to mention she's a witch, too. I mean, the yeah. men are put off by her as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder how many humans back then sensed that she was a witch. I'm sure mm-hmm. they probably sensed it, but wouldn't acknowledge that they're sensing it. Kind of like Mary. Just kind of like, she's just weird. Whatever. You know. Right. The, old, oh. <laughs> the lies we tell ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> so two men arrive, a long pole resting in their shoulders to provide a perch for this splendid assortment of falcons that would be bringing down the birds this afternoon. Two more men followed, bearing a single hooded bird with a lethal curved beak and brown feathered legs that gave the effect of boots. It was huge. And so here comes Rudolph. He's like, ah, and he's rubbing his hands together with delight. Here's my eagle, Augusta. I wanted La Diosa to see her, even though we cannot fly her here. She requires more room to hunt than the stag moat provides. And I always talk about him like that, like he's always kind of boasting, you know? He like, always, and he, yes. always sound, he, he sounds like he's twirling his mustache kind yeah, of the whole just time. Like, like, mm. this, car, this cartoon villain smacking his lips and twirling his mustache. And I don't even think his own birds like him, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Diana's connecting to this animal. She says, she can sense that we're watching her. And someone translated this for the emperor and he smiled at her approvingly. One huntress understands another. Take her hood off. Let Augusta and La Diosa get acquainted. So the guy takes her hood off. That bird was interested in Matthew because <laughs> Matthew's a predator as well. Unlike what Rudolph goes on to say, I don't think she's looking at him like, yeah, I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. Like, no, she's wary. It's not so much an adversarial kind of thing, but because it almost seems like they come to this sort of place of understanding. Yes. Yeah. They're and wary of each other. Yeah. Where it's like they're kind of standoffish. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, Just an and acknowledgement. Augusta's a golden eagle. And, and so <laughs> they're pretty Rudolph huge. is like bitching here. He's like, I did not bring Augusta to amuse her Royden, but to meet La Diosa. <laughs> <laughs> Little brat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, even my bird likes him better. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly what I heard in my head as I was reading it. I was like, man, dude. Calm down. Little, it's like, he's a little incel, pretty much. Oh, except for the fact that he's apparently getting laid because he's the king. But other than that. Okay. For those who are not familiar, would you like to describe an incel or? They live in their mother's basement, can't get laid and hate anybody who can. <laughs> there you go. I think it's. Uh, I uh, stayed out of the ditch that time. Didn't you like that? You, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> it's an involuntary celibacy. Is that yes, what, that's what, what it, it stands, stands for? for. Yes. Yeah. So Diana's trying to smooth everything over and says, I thank you for the introduction, your majesty. And she's like, hey, look over here. Calm down. 
Yeah. Rudolph goes back to Bragg and he's like, Augusta has taken down two wolves, you know. And then he's looking at Matthew like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. And Matthew's all shrugs these. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. And he goes on to say they were both bloody struggles. And then Matthew comes back. He's like, were I the wolf? I'd simply lie down and let the lady have her way. Like, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play a player. <laughs> I love that line. And I loved it. It's like his old great black and green outfit and just a rakish cap and sporting his Ouroboros and just like, I wonder if they're going to do that to the show. We're getting a lot of previews. I would love to see that too. I hope they I'd love to, to see that. that outfit. I want to see yeah. that outfit and the, the cloaks they all wear when they go see Father Hubbard. Mm. Well, we know the cuffs will be right because Deb's promised. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. She has. She did promise. Yes. So the other courtiers smirked and tittered at his daring remark. Rudolph, once he had made sure the laughter was not directed at him, joined in. A little insecure bitch. God. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And he's like, it is another thing we have in common, Herr Royden. And then he starts pounding on Matthew's shoulder like they're buddies. Yeah, right. Neither of us fear a strong woman. I'm like, oh, my God. Ew. The nudge, nudge, wink, wink right there was just so gross. I know. Especially since he's like, we shared the passion for the same woman. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. If I was Diana, I would have been behind them both just making yeah. the vomit, the, the international sign for vomit. It's like they're all cock blocking each other like me. No me. No me. Like, Come on, guys. All this cock blocking and I haven't been getting any D. <laughs> What's the woman to do? All right. So now the tension's broken and um, the falconer's like laying out all the birds for them to choose. Everybody chose their bird and Matthew's left with this one little one left. He reached for it and then Rudolph's like, that's a woman's bird. I had it sent for La Diosa. Matthew says, in spite of her name, Diana does not like hunting, but it's no matter. I will fly the Merlin, Matthew said. He ran the jesses through his fingers, put out his hand, and the bird stepped onto his gloved wrists. He goes, hello, beauty. The gamekeeper whispered, her name is Sharka. This is where we learn about the name Sharka. He goes, is, he, is she as clever as her namesake? And the old man answered with a grin, more so. So Matthew leaned towards the bird, took off one of the strings that held her hood in his teeth. His mouth was so close to Sharka and the gesture so intimate that it could have been mistaken for a kiss. Matthew drew the string back. Once that was done, it was easy for him to remove the hood with the other hand and slip the decorated leather blindfold into a pocket. And then Sharka blinked as the world came into view. She blinked against studying me and then the man who held her. I love this passage so much. It makes me think that he has a way of communicating with animals like Diana. Diana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Diana wanted to touch her. Matthew says, I wouldn't. She's hungry. I don't think she gets her fair share of kills. So he is communicating with her. She's telling him all kinds of things. Sharka made low chortling sounds and kept her eyes on Matthew. Kind of (laughs) like Cora in her chortling. Yeah. Yes. And Diana observed, she likes you. It was no wonder they were both hunters by instinct, both fettered so they couldn't give in to the urge to track and kill. So they go riding to where they're going to hunt. So she goes, I expected utter chaos, but hunting was as precisely choreographed as any ballet. As soon as Rudolph released his gyrofalcon gyrofalcon into the air, the birds resting in the trees rose up in a cloud, taking flight to avoid becoming a snack. I'm going to interrupt right here. You should know how to pronounce that since that's the mascot for the Air Force Academy. The gyrofalcon? Yeah, that's a white gyrofalcon that they fly at the games. Oh, I don't ever watch, see? I'm just just 
telling you, that's how I found out what a gerfalcon was. And, and they've got one that's beautiful. It's this beautiful white one, and it's humongous. Every time I see GY, I think gyroscope, like in aviation. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the gerfalcon swooped down and flew over the brush, the wind whistling through the bells of his feet. Startled grouse erupted from cover, running and flapping in all directions before taking to the air. The gerfalcon banked, selected a target, harried it into position, and shot forward to hit it with its talons and beak. The grouse fell from the sky, the falcon pursuing it relentlessly to the ground where the grouse, startled and injured, was finally killed. The gamekeepers released the dogs and ran with them along the snowy ground. The horses thundered after and the men's cries of triumph drowned out by the baying of the hounds. See, to me, that all just sounds cruel. Why do you, yeah. if, you're, if you're hunting with falcons, why do you need dogs to? I don't understand. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it all just sounds cruel, but I, I have never hunted in this fashion. You no. know, I'm not a hunter. I mean, so. I get I get retrieving, but kind of with the whole, if you're using falcons, why are you retrieving? Because now you end up with the dogs fighting the birds for the kill. I was going to say lines could get crossed and instincts take over. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you end up losing a hunting dog, too. Right. With all those galloping horses, too. It just seems dangerous and cruel. I, this is just me, okay? All you hunters who like this formal form of hunting, no offense, guys. No offense. Okay. When the horses and riders caught up, we found the falcon standing up by its prey. Its wings curved to shield the grouse from rival claimants. Mm-hmm. Matthew had adopted a similar stance in the Bodleian Library, and I felt his eyes fall on me to make sure I was nearby. Now that the emperor had the first kill, the others were free to join in the hunt. So it was all staged. It's all... Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you have to lose at golf, too. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew had been hanging back from the rest of the male pack. He released his bird well after the other and was unhurried in claiming the grouse that she brought down. Though none of the other men got off their mounts, Matthew did, coaxing Sharka away from her prey with a murmured word and a bit of meat that he pulled off of a previous kill. Once, however, Sharka failed to connect with the grouse she was pursuing, it eluded her, flying straight into the path of Rudolph's gerfalcon. But Sharka refused to yield. Though the gerfalcon was larger, Sharka was scrappier and more agile. To reach her grouse, the merlin flew past my head so closely that I felt the changing pressure in the air. She was such a little thing, smaller than even the grouse, and definitely outsized by the emperor's bird. The grouse flew higher and higher, but there was no escape. Sharker quickly reversed direction and sank her curved talons into her prey, her weight carrying them both down. The indignant gerfalcon screamed in frustration, and Rudolph added his own loud protest. Your bird interfered with mine, Rudolph said furiously. <laughs> Jesus. As Matthew kicked off his horse forward to fetch the Merlin. She's not my bird, your majesty. <laughs> technically. And I hear hell say technically. Technically yeah. not my bird. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> so Matthew picked up the Merlin, grouse and all, and held it up for the court to see. Sharka Jesses swung freely and her bells tinkled with a sound as he circled around her. Unsure of what their response should be, the courtiers waited for Rudolph to do something. I intervened instead. Was this a female warrior husband? Matthew stopped in his rotation and grin. Why, yes, wife. The real Sharka was small and feisty, just like the emperor's bird, and knew that a warrior's greatest weapon lies between the ears. Ha ha, Rudolph, take that shit. 
Yeah. I love this. I love the story of the Bohemian Maids War. It's just it's great. Diana says she sounds rather like the ladies of Malastrana. And what did Sharka do with her intelligence? Before Matthew can answer, an unfamiliar young woman spoke. Sharka took down a troop of soldiers, she explained in full Latin with a heavy Czech accent. A white bearded man I took to be her father looked at her approvingly and she blushed. Diana's like, Really? How? The girl says, by pretending she needed rescuing and then inviting the soldiers to celebrate her freedom with too much wine. Another woman, this one elderly, with a beak of a nose to rival Augusta's, snorted in disgust. Men fall for that every time. And yes, they do. I was just thinking that when you were reading. <laughs> it's like the whole, get them thinking with their little brains. and Yeah, it's, it's all done. It's all done. And people still play that game every single time. And it still works. Yeah, the best part was, is it was like, hey, baby, hey, baby, here's some beer. And they got him, you know, the drunken passed out and killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. It's like the staples easy button. That was easy. Right. I know. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a real wire job for me? <laughs> <laughs> so Diana bursts out laughing. Like we and did then, just now. Yeah, just now. Yeah. <laughs> and to our evident surprise, so did the beaky aristocratic old lady. I fear, Emperor, that the ladies will not have their heroine blamed for the faults of others. Matthew reached into his pocket for the hood and gently set it over the crown of Sharka's proud head. He leaned in and tightened the cord with his teeth. It's just so intimate. The gamekeeper took the Merlin to a smattering of approving applause. So they get to talk and they just all adjourn back at Rudolph's and someone brings up, he's like, hey, what we need to lift our boredom is a spring feast now that Lent is almost over, said one young male courtier in a loud voice. Do you think so, your majesty? And then, yeah, I was like, was that staged? Oh, hell no. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what do you say? Yeah. A mask? Is that a mask you say? Oh, wow. How a random. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> if so, the theme should be Diana and how do you say that? Actaean? Acetan. 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 I think. That's I don't know. Enough. Yeah, good enough for I now. Can say <laughs> I can say Endymion, though. Endymion, yes, yes. So Matthew comes back and he's like, the theme is so common, your majesty, and rather English, Matthew said sadly. Rudolph flushed. Perhaps we might do Dementor and Persephone. Instead, it's more fitting for the season. Wasn't that Phoebe's cat, Persephone? Yes, Persephone is, yes, and Demeter's the helicopter mom. Uh, yeah, and Persephone, didn't Isabel say she was so whiny? Yeah. Yes. So Demeter <laughs> and Persephone, instead, it's more fitting for the season. Or the story of Odysseus, Strata suggested, shooting Diana a nasty look. Fra Royden can play play Cersei and turn us into piglets. Damn. Yeah, well, yeah. Strata. Strata's <laughs> pissed off because his sister's losing favor. Right. I mean, come on. His sister's going to get the bank anyway. She's carrying the baby. She's yeah, got it. Yeah, didn't she have like six or seven all told? I think within? all told after everything was done, yes. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Ugh. So here comes Rudolph. Interesting, Octavio. And he's tapping his full lower lip with his index finger. I might enjoy playing Odysseus. And then Diana's oh, like, no. not on your life. Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> not with a requisite bedroom scene. And Odysseus making Circe promise not to forcibly take his manhood. Oof. Yeah. 
So Diana decides she's just going to squash this. She's like, if I might offer a suggestion. And then Rudolph's like, of course, of course. And she says, the story I have in mind requires someone to take the role of Zeus, the king of the gods. Rudolph's like, I'd be a convincing Zeus. And he's all like, yeah. (laughs) He also thinks she's going to say later, you know, later in the swan or something, something like that. He he fell hook, line and sinker for that because, you know, he's like, yeah, the shiny thing is Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. Zeus can play Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. Zeus and his dick gets around. I'm going to get lucky on this one. Mm -hmm. You're not. Look at this squirrel over here, Rudolph. (laughs) Shiny object. Shiny object. Uh, Rudolph says, and you will play Callisto? And then she's thinking, absolutely not. I'm not going (laughs) to let Rudolph pretend to ravage and impregnate me. Hell no. So she says, no, your majesty. If you insist that I take part in the entertainment, I will play the goddess of the moon. And then she slid her hand into the bend of Matthew's arm. And to atone for his earlier remark, Matthew will play Endymion. And uh, Rudolph's like, Endymion? And then Matthew's like, poor Rudolph, outfoxed again. Mm. He's like, Endymion, your majesty, he said, this time in a voice pitched to Carrie, the beautiful youth who's cast into an enchanted sleep so as to preserve his immortality and Diana's chastity. And then Rudolph's getting all a little prickly here. He's like, I know the legend, Herroyden. Damn. <laughs> and Matthew's like, huh? well, apologies, your majesty. Diana looks splendid arriving in a chariot so she can gaze wistfully upon the man she loves. Oh, geez. Oops. <laughs> no, I, I bet back the bus up to Callisto. I forgot how this particular deal works because this is even worse. Oh, go ahead. Tell Cali- the story. Uh, the Callisto isn't a story where Zeus turned into an animal like with Europa or Leda. Mm-hmm. He took on the guise of Artemis to get close to Callista because she was a maiden dedicated to Artemis and then he raped her. Nice. Great. <laughs> nice. Wow. None of these stories would play out well today. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you look at, here goes the Medusa ditch. Yeah, she's this big, horrible, fearsome creature who tuned guys to stone who was basically victim blamed because mm. Poseidon raped her in Athena's temple and Athena was pissed off that her temple was defiled and blamed Medusa. Long story Got short. It. Yeah. Got so it. like you said, most of these are not going to play in this era as... Not on the CW anyway. So, uh, Rudolph, after Matthew made that comment, he was imperial purple by this point because he's kind of upset. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. He got totally boxed in there. They're headed home now. And Matthew says, I have only one request. I may be a vampire, but April is a cold month in Prague. In deference to the temperature, the costumes you designed for Diana and Damian should be more substantial than a lunar crescent for your hair and a dishcloth to drape across my hips. And then Diana says, I only just cast you in this role and you're already making artistic demands. <laughs> Actors! <laughs> she was like so totally Lucy from the Charlie Brown Christmas I was just her. thinking that. Yes, yes. I was just thinking that exact same thing. Oh my God, I could just uh, see that part right there. It was so funny. Actors! Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. So Matthew's throwing out some verses and Diana's throwing out, hey, you can't use Keats. He's a romantic poet. It's 300 years too soon. He's also mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Galaglass chimes in and he says, I suppose you want me to find you a tent and some sheep or maybe an astrolobe. And Damien can either be a shepherd or an astronomer, Matthew 
you said. Rudolph's gamekeeper will never part with one of his strange sheep, Galglass said dourly. Matthew's welcome to use in my compendium. She looked around and it was supposed to be on the mantelpiece out of Jack's reach, but they didn't know where it was. So she's like, where's it gone? Annie and Jack were showing it to Mop. They think it's enchanted. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's cute. Uh-oh. Well, no, it just turns out to be not so cute real fast. No, no. No, I know. No. But just the fact yeah. that, hey, look at this. Let's show it to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah. Right. Dog. <laughs> so Annie and Jack had the little brass and silver compendium opened up like a book and its inner wings were folded out to their full extent. Annie says, look, Jack, it's doing it again. And the Annie was peering down at the instrument. Mop, no one in the house called him Lobero anymore, except for Jack, started barking and wagging his tail with excitement as the lunar Volville started to spin in its own accord. I bet you a penny that the full moon will be in the window when the spinning stops, Jack said. Like it's a roulette wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's spinning in his hand and holding it out to Annie. Diana's like, no betting. And Matthew wants to know, hey, when did this start, Jack? And Jack's like, I don't know. <laughs> Got me. And An- Annie's like, it's been happening since her Habermill sent it. And then Diana wants to know, does it spin like this all day or only at certain times? We're getting the feeling this thing might be a problem. Right. Well, and then you start seeing the gray and gold and silver strands Ominous. coming off of it, mm. which isn't good. No. So only once and twice. The compass just spins once. Annie looked miserable. I should have told you. I knew it was magical from the way it feels. Diana's like, it's all right. No harm done. So with that, this is Diana thinking, with that, I put my finger at the center of the Volvo and commanded the thing to stop. It did. As soon as the revolution ceased, the silver and gold threads around the compendium slowly dissolved, leaving only a gray thread behind. It was quickly lost among the many colorful strands that filled our house. Matthew's like, what does it mean? And this is later, after the kids were all out of there and everything's put away. Mm-hmm. And I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. What does this mean? <laughs> Hmm. And then she's trying to hide it so Jack can't find it. And then Matthew's like, by the way, everyone hides things on top of the tester. It's like It'll putting be the- stuff in the cooler in the refrigerator. I know. <laughs> It'll be the first place Jack searches for it. Diana turns around and says, someone is looking for us. And Matthew's like, in Prague? And then Diana's like, no, in time. And then Matthew sat down on the bed with a thunk and swore. Diana's like, it's my fault. I tried to weave a spell so the compendium would warn me if someone was thinking of stealing it. The spell was supposed to keep Jack out of trouble. I guess I need to go back to the drawing board. And then Matthew wants to know, what makes you think it's someone in another time? Diana says, because the lunar Volvo is a perpetual calendar. The gears were spinning as though they were trying to input information beyond its technical specifications. It reminds me of the words racing around in Ashmole 782. Mm. I have two thoughts here. Go ahead. What if her spell decided what she needed instead of what she wanted? And instead of being kind of like an alarm on there to let her know if somebody was trying to steal it. It was an early warning system letting her know that somebody was sending out a spell looking for them. Kind of like a boundary spell, maybe, instead. Maybe the whirring of the compass indicates that whoever's looking for us in a different place. Two, like the lunar Volvo, the compass can't find true north because it's being asked to compute two sets of directions, one for us in Prague and one for someone else. And Diana wants to know, do you think it's Isabeau or Sarah? Do they need our help? No, Matthew said. They wouldn't give us away. It's someone else. He looks at Diana like, mm, what the fuck? Mm. And Diana's like, you're looking at me as though I've betrayed you somehow. If you don't want me to do 
the mask. I won't. And Matthew's like, it's not that. You're still keeping something from me. And then she's like, we all keep things to ourselves, Matthew. Little things that don't matter. Sometimes big things. Say like being on the congregation, yeah, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's hands were suddenly on my shoulders, lifting me up. You will never forgive me for that. His eyes looked black and his fingers dug into my arms. Calm down. I know. I know. Relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, didn't we go through this this last episode? Come on, guys. <laughs> Probably. Oh. So Diana says, you promised me you would tolerate my secrets. Rabbi Lowe is right. Tolerance isn't enough. Matthew released me with a curse. I heard gallow glass on the steps. Jack's sleepy murmurs down the hall. I'm taking Jack and Andy to Baldwin's house. You bunch of jerks. I know. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa and Carolina have already gone. Pierre will come with me, and so will the dog. You frighten the boy when you argue. He knows enough fear in his short life. Sort yourselves out, and I'll take them back to London and leave the two of you here to shift yourselves. Galglass is laying down the law like... Yeah, I was like, sort your shit. Unfuck your shit, people! (laughs) Matthew sat down silently by the fire, a cup of wine in his hands and a dark expression in his face as he stared into the floor. As soon as the group departed, he was on his feet and headed for the door. He was about to leave, too. Give that man a shirt. Good <laughs> deal. Good deal. Yes. Fuck this shit, I'm Fuck out, says shit. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Drink, audience. <laughs> All right. So without thinking or planning, I released my fire drink. Stop him, I commanded. She covered him in a gray mist as she flew over and around him. Then she took solid form by the door and dug the spike edges of her wings into either side of its frame. When Matthew got too close, a tongue of fire shot out of her mouth in warning. I love her. This is going to be so cool. I mean, that's a little over the top, but okay. You had to make a point, Diane. I get it. That's the only way you get Matthew's attention is you got to kind of not figure it knock heads sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So she goes, you're not going anywhere. And this is when I really thought, holy shit, the two of them are truly equals because she can hurt him just as bad as he could ever hurt her. Yeah. Yep. So Matthew turned his eyes cold. And then she says, if you're angry with me, say it. If I've done something you don't like, tell me. If you want to end this marriage, have the courage to end it cleanly so I might, might be able to recover from it. Because if you keep looking at me as though you wish we weren't married, you're going to destroy me. So that was... I never thought that he wanted to end the marriage. No, me neither. Me neither. I think he was trying to find the easiest way so the marriage can continue without his uh, quirks, you know? I I think he thought he was doing her a favor by leaving. He was handling it all wrong. All of his self-loathing seemed to kick in right here. Yeah. Like, this is my way of solving problems. I'll step away because I'm causing them. And remove the cause, remove the problem, and I'm the cause. He figured this was the easiest way to keep the peace. It's really clear you can when you're looking at someone else when you can see these problems yeah <laughs> when you're caught in the middle of it you're like ah <laughs> this is it's like we sound so sage when we're observing these from the outside right, exactly <laughs> when, when, when it comes down to us to actually do something about it in ourselves or it's kind of like mm, oh yeah foggier. <laughs> yeah so matthew says i have no desire to end this marriage then diana says then be my husband do you know what i thought watching those beautiful birds fly today that's what matthew would look like if only we were to free himself. When I saw you put on Sharka's hood, blinding her so she couldn't hunt as her instinct 
things tell her to do. I saw the same look of regret in her eyes. I've seen in yours every day since I've lost the baby. Matthew's like, this isn't about the baby. And then she's like, no, it's about me and you. Hmm. Think about this, Matthew. Mm -hmm. And Matthew comes back and he's like, and you think it's losing the baby that brought that fact home. Diana's like, what else could it be? Your guilt over Blanca and Lucas nearly destroyed you. Matthew says, you're wrong. And then Diana says, tell me what it is then. This. He reached for the edge of my bodice and rent it in two. Then he loosened the cord that kept the wide neckline of my smocks from sliding off my shoulders, so it exposed the tops of my breasts. His fingers traced the blue vein that surfaced there and continued beneath the folds of the linen. Every day of my life is a battle for control. I fight my anger and the sickness that follows in its wake. I struggle with hunger and thirst because I don't believe it's right for me to take blood from another creature, not even the animals, though I can bear that better than taking from someone I might see again on the street. And I'm at war with myself over this unspeakable urge to possess your body and soul in ways that no warm blood could even fathom. So what were you guys thinking on first read? I'm curious when you first read this. I did. He just didn't want to feed off forever. I didn't. But beyond that. Yeah. I definitely didn't see where it was going. Yeah. For sure. No, me neither. And I was like, maybe this is what Philippe was talking about. Because when Mm -hmm, Philippe looked at her neck and was like, so he's taking blood from you here. Is there anywhere else? And she's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. On my elbow. And then Philippe's like, ah, shit, Matthew's doing it again. But he didn't tell her. So that kind of, I was like, oh, this is what Philippe was talking about there. Mm -hmm. So Diana says, you want my blood. I whispered in a sudden understanding. You lied to me. And then Matthew says, I lied to myself. And then Diana says, I told you repeatedly that you can have it, I said. She grabbed at the smock and tore it further, bending her head to the side and exposing her jugular. Like, take it. I'm like, whoa. Okay, Diana, shit. (laughs) You know what? I think those four words, I lied to myself, mm-hmm. were probably some of the most momentous words that came out of his mouth in this whole book. Yeah. I mean, he finally admitted, yeah, I'm lying to myself here. Yeah. Right. It was like such a quiet moment. But just when you read it again, I'm like, damn, that's... When you can see things for what they yeah. are and admit... His light yeah. bulb turned on right there. Yeah. His mirror moment. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, that's what I've been doing all along. It's almost like when he was talking to Hamish, though, when he said... and he, when the narration said he was relieved to say the words aloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably a relief to let that out and say, oh, that's why I'm so fucked up. Oh. Now, oh. And, and, and now we both know. And I don't mean like in a funny way. I'm like, but now we both know that what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. yeah. It was as much a revelation to him as to her. Well, it was probably more of a revelation to him than to her because she probably sensed it a long time ago that, you know, he's telling himself things that aren't true. Yeah. Everybody else knew it but him. So he says, you are my mate. I would never voluntarily take blood from your neck. And I'm like, well, why? It's Hmm. disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) He said, when I did so in Madison, it's because I was too weak to stop myself. And then Diana's like, what's wrong with my neck? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? This is another myth that humans made up about vampires. I know. It's Mm -hmm. all sexy drinking from the neck. No, it's just kind of pedestrian, actually. (laughs) Right. Vampires only bite strangers and subordinates from the neck, not lovers, certainly not mates. Diana's thinking dominance and feeding. So it's mostly humans who get bitten there. So there was a kernel of truth in that vampire legend. Matthew says vampires bite their mates here near the heart. And so we're getting kind of a visual. His lips pressed against the bare flesh above the edge of her smock. It was where he had kissed her on their wedding night when his emotions had overwhelmed him. And then Dinah's like, I thought you wanting to kiss me there was just ordinary lust. I thought it was just sexy time. Foreplay. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I'm thinking that 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 William Harvey book. He must have, he definitely had interest, almost like porn to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, heart, the heart is a palm 
<laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of a dirty book, wouldn't it? <laughs> Matthew goes on to explain there is nothing ordinary about a vampire's desire to take blood from this vein. So Diana wants to know, but if it's not about feeding or dominance, what's it about? Matthew goes, honesty. Vampires keep too many secrets to ever be completely honest. We would never share them all verbally, and most are too complex to make sense even when you try. There are prohibitions against sharing secrets in my world. Diana quotes uh, Isabeau, it's not your tale to tell. She's like, I've heard that a few times. And then Matthew comes back and says, to drink from your lovers, to know that nothing is hidden. Matthew stared down at her breast, touching the vein again with his fingertips. We call this the heart vein. The blood tastes sweeter here. There's a sense of complete possession and belonging, but it requires complete control too, and not to be swept up in the strong emotions that result. His voice was sad because he doesn't trust himself to do that, you know. And then Diana says as much, you don't trust your control because of the blood rage. Matthew says, you've seen me in its grip. It's sparked by protectiveness. And who poses a greater danger to you than I do? Oh, geez, we're doing this again. Yep. (laughs) Diana's like taking her smock off, you know, pulling her arms out of the sleeve until she was bare from the waist up. She's like, here you go. She's throwing at him. And Matthew's like, don't. No, stop. I can't. Maybe yeah, I can. Like some, Maybe old fertility, <laughs> like some old fertility goddess. If you insist. <laughs> she's like, don't. And then he's like, there's no one here in case. And then Diana says, you drain me. If you couldn't trust yourself to do this one, Philippe was within earshot, then you're not likely to do it with Galilas and Pierre standing by to help. Matthew's like, this isn't a matter for jokes. And Diana says, no, it's a matter for husbands and wives. It's a matter of honesty and trust. I have nothing to hide from you. If taking blood from my vein is going to put an end of your incessant need to hunt down what you imagine to be my secrets, then that's what you're going to do. Here's my passwords. Yeah. Look at my emails. I yeah. Look care. at my texts. It's all here. <laughs> look at my tits. I mean, she looked at it like... I'll expose my secrets. I looked at it like it's a test. Is he is he going to kill her? They have to have that trust that yeah. Uh, yeah. he's not going to kill her every time he wants to drink from the heart vein. Right. And then he warns her, this is not something a vampire does just once. And she's, she's like, I didn't think it was. In this moment, too, I'm also thinking Matthew's got this moment so built up in his mind. Like he has imagined it into something that it ends up not being in a way. He's. I think he's scared of having another Eleanor in his hands another yeah. Cecilia. Yeah, but he didn't mate with Eleanor. I'm just saying that he's got this idea in his head that it's going to be more whatever happened with Eleanor and Cecilia. But the simple fact of the matter is it's going to be something totally different because he never mated with either one of those, which actually, you know, we'll find out in a minute whether it tempers him or incites him. He's just scared. Uh, he's borrowing trouble. That's it. I don't know. It seems like a Scorpio thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so Diane is trying to tempt him. Uh, I drew his mouth to mine. He responded tentatively at first. His fingers wrapped around my wrist as if he hoped to break away at the earliest opportunity. But his instincts were too strong and his yearning palpable. The threads that bound the world shifted and adjusted around me to make room for such powerful feelings. I drew gently away, my breasts lifting with each breath. All right. So he looks so frightened that he hurt my heart. Oh, come on, Matthew. Come on. Take a suck. It's okay. (laughs) Dinah's like, I love you. The weight was excruciating, but at last he lowered his head. Her heart was beating fast and she heard him draw a deep, long breath. 
And then he's last thing he says before he goes for it is honey. You always smell like honey. And then bam, he takes it. He does it. So what were you guys thinking now? Like finally. (laughs) Yeah, finally. Thank God. I know. I want to know what he's going to learn though. Same here. So we're about to know. About 30 (laughs) seconds after he started, Matthew stopped. He looked at her in surprise as if he discovered something unexpected. His eyes went full black. And for one fleeting moment, she thought that the blood rage was surfacing. And then she's trying to calm him down. It's all right, my love. Matthew lowered his head, drinking more until he discovered what he needed. It took a little more than a minute. He kissed the place over my heart with the same expression, a gentle reverence that he had worn on our wedding night at Septour and looked at me shyly. Diana said, what did you find? And Matthew's like, you, only you. So this evolves into like some heavy, hey, they're just going for it, you know? And at one point I have to bring this up. Can you feel me? I'm inside you, Diana, giving you life. And I was like, whoa, that's wild. Yep. So, oh, go ahead. I kept thinking uh, this was the moment of conception. Yeah. I mean, it's like he finally finally completed the weaving. Yep. And he said it like an an incantation. And it Mm -hmm. reminded me only on this listen that it was almost, well, he first he said, Says, you smell like honey. And in Discovery Witches, he said, you oh, you asked me at the dinner what you smell like. And he said, honey and hope. And this is kind of tied it together where mm-hmm. he was saying it hopefully. He was saying it as a positive because just previously in the church, he had said, I had spent years filling Blanca with death. Yeah. And now he's saying, I'm filling you with life. So to mm-hmm. me, it's a renewed sense of hope too. And he just smelled, he says, she just, you always smell of honey and hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And she tasted of honey and hope after she saved his life too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So after all of that, you know, they're post-coital right now. You know, the O, the D, all the shit happened right yeah, now. Lots of O's and lots of D. <laughs> Diana wonders. She's like, I wonder if I can read your thoughts too. And then Matthew says, you already have. Back in Oxford when you received the picture of your parents, you weren't conscious of what you were doing, but you kept answering questions I wasn't able to ask out loud. Diana says, can I try again? Of course. If you were a vampire, I would have already offered my blood. He's lays back on the pillow. Do your worst, girl. I Do like how thing. Deb worked in a, she just worked in a little commercial for consent there. Yes. That I was, like it. That was very nice. <laughs> very, very subtle and nicely done. So she hesitated for a moment. She stilled her thoughts and focused on the simple question. How can I know Matthew's heart? The single silver thread shimmered between her heart and the spot on his forehead. She's getting a whole explosion of sights and sounds. And then she saw the face of her Fuchs. Fucks. Fuchs. Fucks. It's more like, oh, Fox. Fox. <laughs> the vampire she met in Jewish town. And she heard quite distinctly the words, my son, Benjamin. And then she looks up and she's like, oh, shit. And then Matthew's like, oh, what is it? And she's like, her Fuchs. I didn't realize he was your son and he was Benjamin. Matthew's like, it's not your fault. You're not a vampire. And Benjamin, you know, he only reveals what he chooses. He was really calm about that. I know. He's like, it's no big deal. No big whoop. I got this. He said, I must have sensed his presence around you, a trace of sense, some inkling that he was near. So maybe he didn't know to pinpoint it, that it was Benjamin, but it was he, out of context. Yeah, it was like a trigger. Something yeah, it's like something's wrong here, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Right. And he said, that's what made me think you were keeping something from me. I was wrong. I'm sorry for doubting you, Moncour. Diana's like, but Benjamin must have known who I was, man. Your scent would have been all over me. And then Matthew's like, of course he knew. I'll look for him tomorrow. But if Benjamin doesn't want to be found, there'll be nothing to do but to warn Galglass and Philippe. All right. If you say so. (laughs) He's back to being the master of understatement and uh, underestimation. 
Oh, it's like Matthew. You, you. I had such hope for you for a few seconds. Chapter this and should then, happen. Then yeah, you did this. Right. Oh yeah, let's not worry. It's okay. We'll take care. Of, like, jeez. Jeez. So Diana says, warn them. Matthew says this. The only thing more frightening than Benjamin in the grip of blood rage is Benjamin when he is lucid, just as he was when you were with Rabbi Lowe. It's as Jack said. The most terrifying monsters always look like just ordinary men. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's that just, it. That just made it tense. It was like he just dumped kerosene onto that fire. Yeah, <laughs> and he had Comment. Scarlett O'Hara syndrome. Ah, oh, but we'll worry about that tomorrow. No big deal. Yes. We'll find him. <laughs> Never mind. It's cool. No worries. I'll make some phone calls. Don't don't you worry, your pretty little head. Holy crap! Right. What the Whoa. hell? That was the end of that chapter. You guys have any last thoughts before we go on to the housekeeping? I do. I have a question. It's a technical thing because the version that I'm reading and the audio that I listen to are different. And huh. I just noticed two differences. It says, how can I know Matthew's mind? And what you read was, how can I know Matthew's heart? So I'm assuming mind was original. Yours and- was the ark. Yours was okay. the ark. Yeah. And the other, yeah, okay. So they used mind in the ark. Yeah. And then it says, uh, I saw gallow glass and men I did didn't recognize who occupied important places in Matthew's heart. Mm. So I'm like, I wonder, I just, it doesn't mean anything. I just was wondering why the choice of the words are the way they are. Why they change final cut. Yeah. Yeah. Final cut. Yeah. It's true. Gene, any last thoughts there? Uh, I think I covered it with the whole Matthew had such promise there and then he reverted back to the, yeah, don't you worry your pretty little head by the end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was having diehard. He was very casual about that. It was very casual. All right. I got this all under control. Yeah. Well, Don't worry about what's it. What's so funny was it's like he, earlier in the chapter, he was all like, we got to get the hell out of here. And now it's like, wait, yeah. now you know Benjamin's here too. And you're not you're, you're ready okay to be still? Beat? Oh, no, I know. I know. Woo. He's like, he's satisfied. He's full. He's got no immediate oh, appetite man. right now. So now he can kick back he's, and he's full. smoke a cigarette. He's preferably yeah. smoking a cigarette yeah. right here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it's a vampire version of the guy. Okay, I had my orgasm. I'm going to roll over and go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's get this cuddling thing over with. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I need my post-coital nap. <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys, going once, going twice. So, so now it's time for housekeeping, and we've had a lot of reviews kind of pile up. So here we go. Housekeeping. I wanted to say demon kisses galore. Mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> <laughs> For all these reviews, I'm alive. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. All right. So we start with a must for all a Discovery of Witches fans. Five stars for I Am Just Be. Since day one, this podcast has been such a great companion for everything all souls. From the books to the TV show, these three strong, funny, super smart ladies not only have enhanced my experience as a new fan, but also brighten up my day with each new episode. Thank you for all you do. Never stop being you. Wow. Yeah. Thank I think that's you so much. To everybody, never stop being you. Yes. You gotta be you, man. And sometimes I listen to podcasts, I'm like, wow, listen to their voices. It's so smooth. They're so put together. They're But you know what? The fact that we're sometimes messy, sometimes we just sound like a bunch of cackling women, but this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you appreciate that. 
that. That's awesome to us. So thank you. All right, Jade, you're next. I'm next. And I have A Delight by Corsets and Swords. There's a certain alchemy in mixing a brilliant series of novels, these smart, witty, and vibrant women, hilarious sound effects, and a passion for the material. Angela, Jean, and Valerie bring insight, historical trivia, perspective, and on occasion, delightful detours into the ditch that leave their listeners feeling like they dropped in on the best party line ever. Keep up the good work, demons. Five enchanted stars. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Okay. So this one is from Irish Cole Six, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, The title is Lady Demons Rock. Five stars. Thank you. If you're looking for a sexy, fun, and intelligent conversation about the All Souls world, you've come to the right podcast. I love how they deep dive into topics related to the books and now the show as well. These ladies are a force to be reckoned with. The depth of knowledge, the humor expressed in their discussion is unlike any other podcast I've listened to. I know they say they're demons, but I wonder if they're secretly vampires because I don't know how they get all that they do done. Ah, uh, we don't know either. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember no reading that kidding. giggling. I'm like, <laughs> true story. Yeah, we don't know either. Maybe we're vampires. No one told us. Yeah. Thank you, Irish Call Six. A, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, the memo got lost somewhere. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And we have one more to clean up out of our box. Yay, we have. Yay. This one comes from Malbec 8, Delightful Demons, five stars. She says, tune into these witty and intelligent ladies as they discuss various aspects of the All Souls world of Deborah Harkness. Whether or not you've read the books, these ladies are hilarious while discussing the provocative issues within them. Whereas Harkness has a knack for reaching the human heart through her storytelling, even if it is through the guise of a demon, witch, or vampire. These ladies shine an even greater spotlight on it. Angela, Jean, and Valerie talk openly and honestly about the challenges, joys, frustrations, desires, pettiness, kindness, fears, and hopes that exist in different shapes and sizes within all of us. They can be fearless in talking about edgy issues. They are willing to share their own vulnerabilities, and yet they always find a way to bring it back to laughter. Thanks, demons. Shell. Ah, Shell again! I know! Thank you, Shell! You've been busy. You are just so kind. Ah, That's awesome. Thank you. And when my family gets me down or they don't even care about if I have a podcast recording, I'm going to read one of your messages, Shell, because you care. <laughs> I know. Oh, speaking of which, I'm not going to bring this up. We got another review. Oh, Angela, God. do you care to share that with yes. us? Yes. And we got this while we were in Cardiff, I believe. Yes. We were yes. having a particularly rough night because we were in between panels and we were preparing for one and we were reviewing what could have been done better in the other one. So we were kind of feeling frazzled. Yes. And this comes over Angela's phone. Yes. So I woke to a long text. I'm like, oh, no, what happened at home? <laughs> and it was a text from my husband. And he says, I was working on the golf cart tonight, which I fixed for $15. Yay, Brad. <laughs> and Yay, I put Brad. my phone on music shuffle. The The music started and all of a sudden it cut to the Trilogy podcast. He's got like a wide eye open (laughs) emoji going on here. (laughs) I looked up because I heard, hi, this is Valerie, Angela and Jean. And I was a little blown away. Like, how can this be happening? My hands were full of grease. So I I just kept listening. It was funny, interesting and informative. It was about chapter 18 and you talked about London. I felt like it was live. The best part of the whole thing was I heard my name and a star was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a star was born. Seriously. Yeah, it was pretty darn good. And you gals seem to know what you're talking about. I listened to the whole thing. It was good. Nice job, all of you. I was glad I caught it. 
two thumbs up. Oh, oh thank, thank you, Brad. Brad. I have to say, God, we no, got teary eyed. Even I got teary eyed. We all got yeah, teary eyed. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh. I had to Jeez. look away. I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut oh, up. No, no, <laughs> don't do this to us. And what, I, what did I tell us, too? I said, that was our message from the universe that says, never stop being you. Yes. yes. Remember who we are. Remember and, who we are. Uh, yeah, that was particularly. Fuck you, Brad, for making us cry. <laughs> so uh, Angela is definitely alive, and that should keep her going for the next two months, right? Right, oh, at least. Sure. At least. <laughs> at least two months. So, okay, the next thing on our agenda is... Save it for the show. Uh oh. <laughs> We're ready, huh? Yep. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Mm-hmm. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right. This episode, Save for the Show, topic is redemptions of characters through cute actors. Go, Gene. <laughs> no, this isn't just about Baldwin because we're seeing the same effect all over again with Kit. Cast a hot actor. Bad guy's not so bad. Come on, people. Let's not be so shallow about this. I know. It's making me crazy. It's human nature, though. You know it's human nature. Oh, if, I know. I if know. Kit was going to be an ugly boy, then people would have no problem hating him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, look at Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Charismatic, crazy dude. Good looking serial killer. Yeah. I do have to say, we did the empathy panel back in NOLA and we had Baldwin, Kit, and Satu. Okay. Now We're people three have for three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baldwin, check. Kit, check. Satu, check. Although it wasn't just through our empathy panel, it's the hot actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't take all the credit, people, but you know. No. We like no. to take the credit for some of the hard work. Well, I mean. They were the easiest characters to turn it on the head. If you like stepped in their shoes, what would they be seeing? They were easy to do. And I'd like to say, oh, we thought about it. It was hard. No, because Deb's characters are not cut and dry or black and white like yeah. that. Even the good characters. Diana and Matthew, if you look at some of the things they do. Oh, you want to kill them. You want to kill them because they're big idiots. There's no definitely black or white characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true to life. And like you said, it's not that hard to do. All you have to do is take a moment and put aside your preconceived notions for five minutes. And, mm -hmm. and just like you said, put yourself in their shoes. But it's, I guess in a way it's disheartening given the overall themes of the trilogy is that you don't have time for the five minutes, but all it takes is Tom Cute Hughes boy. hot pictures. <laughs> slapped up on the projection screen then all of a sudden it's like hmm I think I'm going to be team kit now yeah are you right. kidding me Draco Malfoy uh, the movies if he wasn't <laughs> cute I, I, there's a whole contingent of people that love him yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then there's a part of me that says you know if the actor that played him wasn't cute at the time there'd be nobody on his side so right. I, they, they kind of have to do that in a way yeah uh, it's frustrating I, I, it's working I, it's frustrating. <laughs> it is <laughs> the, it, yeah the Baldwin bus is way full it is working but if you think about this this is easy we all like to think of ourselves as the hero in our own stories, right? Yeah. It's not true. We've all done dastardly things, mm -hmm. stuff we won't yeah. admit to people, stuff that we know we've done to other people. And we all have that place inside of us where you can relate to some of the things these people do. And I would say if you absolutely cannot relate to somebody, it's like, oh, no, I can't stand this person because I know people like this and I will not forgive them. Now you're just projecting. Yeah, that's projection. That's projection. That's, you know, you're not even trying to empathize. 
empathize with a character. Mm -hmm. You can't look at what others' actions did to you. You have to look at your own actions. Was there a time where I was less than kind? Was there a time where I was kind of shitty? Was there a time where I had to make a decision? Was there a time I was chasing a boy I knew I had no chance with and did some shitty things with whoever he was dating to try and... Right. Fuck things up. I would say it would be a lack of maturity or Mm -hmm. a lack of experience to say that, no, you have never been one of those people. That's just my take on it. I don't know. Y'all figure it out. (laughs) Lack of self-awareness. Lack of self-awareness, maybe. I don't know. I know it's frustrating, Gene, but I think... No, I know exactly why, but it's still... It's it's just... (laughs) It's come on. People, we're better than this. We're smarter than this. As Deb said, we are a smart, passionate, engaged fandom. Don't fall for a pretty face. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> I like because he's a hot mess I mean he's a, he's a project you know Gene as much as they say about you I swear you're the optimist in the group you're yeah. the eternal optimist it's like I'm, we're better than this and I'm like no we're not I know. <laughs> I also, I've also always had a soft spot for Kit because I had my best friend in high school she was in love with a gay guy and we just could not oh it's bad reel her back in and it, it, it was bad and having been the friend trying to keep that from going over the cliff that's I think that's part of the reason I empathize so hard with yeah. Kit because not to say that this person was like to the point where she was going to boil bunnies or anything, but it's just like not that far off, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it's like, what if she didn't have friends who were constantly at her going, dude, no, you, you don't know how crazy gonna, you look right now. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to change his mind. I mean, and on top of that, like teenage hormones in high school. You're not going to change his mind. That's such me. a painful period in your life, too. Even, yeah. with, even without being in love with the closeted gay guy who wasn't yeah. so closeted. Listen, we all have that moment. So I told oh, yeah. you about the ice skater, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean... I mean, I was, I, my mom kind of sent me straight. She's like, uh, I don't think he even likes girls. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, and, and then you're like, you know, I'm barking up the wrong tree and you walked away. Yeah, I had to walk away. I'm like, all right. Uh, yeah, so, maybe that this guy. <laughs> yeah. Can you have so, empathy from a shallow position? Maybe not. But I think that's why I like Kit because I liked the snark. I liked that he was jabbing at Diane. I liked the, and maybe that is a projection, maybe a less than moment that I've had in my life. I don't know. But I thought, yeah. He was also a good. He's entertaining. Yeah, entertaining. Exactly. He's entertaining. Yeah. He's one of those people you, you you have in your friend group, but it's not going to be the one you're going to call when you need to get bailed out of jail. And we talked about this before. Our mics were on. What turned me off about Kit right away? I have a certain thing about people rifling through my things. So when we meet Kit, first thing he's doing is rifling through Matthew's things, and I'm like, oh, you're not going to win after this. You're done. So everything snarky coming out of your mouth, I'm like, uh huh. This dude's trash. You know, it's, it's just how it is. It's how you come across it and yeah. who you are. Now, yes, he's entertaining from the outside in. But to me, I'll never get over that initial impression where <laughs> yeah. this guy just but thought he could rubbish through people's shit. To me, in a way, that's at least logical. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think we talked in Oxford, Gene, that Kit is kind of like a if you had a modern day counterpart, it'd be Steph in Pretty in Pink. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I liked him, too. I mean, I didn't like him as a person, but he was a necessary friction, as Deb talks about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem is, is Blaine, <laughs> Blaine was so white bread blah compared to Matthew. Right. Yeah. 
at the yeah. end of the day. It's kind of like, really? Crazy. All right. Any other thoughts? Tom Hughes is very hot. He is. <laughs> he is. He's a cute thoughts. boy. He's a cute boy. I might be cute after this. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to play He's going to play the petulant, snarky, over-the-top in love, hot mess really well. Uh, yeah. And I, Deb, Deb intimated as much. Yeah. So we were happy that they portrayed Baldwin as we always thought he was. But now I'm wondering, yeah. what if they really take Kit to the extreme and make me feel ashamed that I ever liked him? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Yeah, it would I, be. I, it would be very interesting where you're looking at him like, oh, my God, this fucking guy. And I'm like, looking at him like, I told you. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I will tell you this, Angela. I shadowed with Deb for a couple, just a few minutes about this. And what the one thing she said to me was that, yeah, he's a pain in the ass. And yeah, he's a teaching moment. But she picked up our two sides of the coin with Hamish and Kit and, mm-hmm. and how Hamish's love is very appropriate and Kit's is inappropriate. Yeah. That was a word she used was inappropriate. Didn't she also say that Matthew sometimes wasn't always helpful in curbing no, that? Yeah, she said, and Matthew, and Matthew is a big problem, is what she said. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I I took it there? I took it there when she said that. I was like, oh, so maybe he was egging him on and yeah. Yeah, you know, I, with, with fucking think- the best girl. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. Blackfire's breast. There's way more going on there. Maybe he was, you know, drinking kid's blood or drinking some somebody's blood who was laced yeah. with opioids and having um, himself a real good time. It didn't take feelings into account. Yeah, I was going to say swords may have crossed. Let's just say that. Yeah. The other comment was you can't ever forget with Kit that he is the other. He is his very existence puts his life at risk mm-hmm. in everything he does including the people he loves. Yeah. Yep. And that that's a lot for most people. That's too much for that's most people. That's a pressure cooker. I think they're kind of setting that up because it's going to be tragic. It's going to be a tragic story with him. He is be. a tragic story. Yeah. From the beginning. He's a oh, tragic yeah. story. I mean, in real life, in this yeah. setting. Yeah. I might feel differently about Kit if he wasn't rummaging through Matthew's shit. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, maybe he won't be rummaging so much in the show. I don't know. I- I'm excited to see what, what this is going to be, how this is going to turn out. Tom Hughes in a Mulberry doublet. I'm there. Ha! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. In boots. Yeah. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else? I think we've worn this out. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's how we like to do. So stick with us. And after this break, we'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. So you just think about what you want to say. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it, you're a discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive!
Last thoughts, guys? Good question. (laughs) Oh, I've got a last thought. Okay. If we have to wait until October for another con, I don't know if I can wait that long. Well, you know, hey. I like the idea of cooler weather than August. (laughs) Yeah, I I do like that, too, because the last three were in August. Yes. Yeah. And even in Cardiff, where it's a relatively cooler time. Listen, it was no NOLA. It was no Philadelphia. I'll tell you that. It was comfortable to the point where you could walk around and not feel like you're dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's do some September. I'm I'm, I'm up for that. September in L.A. was perfect. That was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Great. Yeah. But L.A., they don't really have humidity like they do on the East Coast. This is true. Or down South. Yeah. Or Chicago that one weekend I was there. Oh, my gosh. Jesus. That was an anomaly. That was weird. Uh, It had to be the weekend we were there, too, right? Yes. And then (laughs) it broke the weather with you. The hot streak broke the the next morning. The next morning. The day we were to get on a plane. Yeah. Whatever. Angela, last thoughts. No, mine was con related too. I asked the Magic 8-Ball, where is the next con going to be? Knowing that I can't get the specific answer. But it said, ask again later. So too soon. Too soon. There you go. Thank you, Magic (laughs) 8-Ball. Yeah. Thanks for nothing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my last thought is, I'm happy I'm on the men finally. Yay. I don't sound like it, but I sound like shit, but I feel good. Uh, let's see here. I am happy we got to meet all of our friends once again and meet new ones. That was great at All Souls Con. Uh, I'm happy we got to do an After Con episode. I'm happy we got to publish our full panels on Patreon so our patrons will have something to look forward to. I'm just generally pleased yeah. as far as everything. And uh, patrons, I want to let you know, and people who are considering being patrons, we're going to have a special offer here here soon. I don't have the details of it yet, but you know, yep. soon. Just keep an eye out. We're gonna have a special offer and it's an incentive to join if you were on the feds or upgrade if you were like a tier down and thinking about going up a tier. Uh, I'll even open up that top tier for what, just in case there's a taker. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, so there's that. I also want to tell you to support your All Souls artists, Belia Sim and Kareen Star. Mm-hmm. All Souls Illustrated and Belia does uh, Creatures Rock, but her official website is Belia Sims. Yes, yeah, support those. Uh, links will be in the show notes. If you like All Souls art, be sure to check these two out. Uh, also, shouts to Janet Trilogy. I'll put the link for that in the show notes for beautiful jewelry. What else? Who else do we have to promote? All Souls Con and Laura. Always, yes, you know, always. Always. AllSoulsCon.org. Yeah, yes. Tethnon.net. Uh, <laughs> visit our uh, pod sisters, uh, Witchy Women, All Souls Witchy Women, and uh, Camille and Clove. They have a podcast, too. Listen, we, we know we're not everybody's cup of tea. Tune into some of these other fantastic ladies. Make sure they get some love, too. Yeah, that's it. I've run out. I've run out of voice and I've run out of everything. But thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you for all the wonderful reviews. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. I'm speechless. That's all I I have to say. Came back with so much love from Cardiff. I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of overwhelmed by it still. No stamp on our passport. I'm still kind of pissed about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably get in trouble, right? If we stamped it. (laughs) (laughs) If we made up our own stamp, demon was here. (laughs) Right. I'm going to put, I met a demon and survived (laughs) in my passport. Why is this here? Yeah. (laughs) Step aside, madam. (laughs) (laughs) You stand in that line. (laughs) All right, guys. 
Let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, Bye. everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Demon kiss. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. 